Charles Stanley Radio. The latest economic updates, insights and conversations with finance industry experts. Hello and welcome to the latest podcast from Charles Stanley Radio. My name's Gary White and I'm joined here by John Redwood, our Chief Global Economist. Um, there's been uh, another large interest rate rise in the US, but maybe some tempering of tone. Uh, is that correct, John? Well, there's certainly been the 75 basis points, 0.75 hike in rates, which everybody was expecting. And the official statement uh, implied that they could now put rates up uh, at a slower pace from here. But they're still talking about rate rises. Uh, But then in in the press conference, uh, the chairman of the Fed, Jerome Powell, the most powerful man in the monetary world, uh, implied that they may have to go tougher for longer. And so then markets took a bit of fright from that. So we, we had a flip-flop in markets yesterday. They were first of all relaxed because they got the news they were expecting. And then they were a little bit spooked because the chairman of the Fed still sounded very hawkish indeed. Because interest um, um, inflation is still, uh, you know, multiples of the target rates. And it is going to take some time to bring it down. And if they are focusing on inflation, that's realistic that we're, we're looking at them at least maintaining high rates well into next year. Oh, indeed. Yes, certainly the, these current rates are going to be maintained into next year. And we're still arguing about how many more increases there are going to be, although nobody's now expecting another 75 basis point increase all in one go. They're talking about um, one or two more meetings when they have to raise them by 25 or 50 basis points. Uh, the market is still expect- expecting the uh, short-term rates to be quite a lot higher than they are today. You're absolutely right that you can't get inflation down from these very high levels without doing a bit of economic damage. Uh, and the sooner more people become available to take jobs, uh, the better, because the Fed is very nervous about how tight the labour market still is and how there could still be wage pressures. Uh, and the sooner companies understand that it is going to get more competitive and tougher and start lowering their prices, the better, or not putting their prices up as much in this very inflationary period. Because we can only get out of this by companies accepting lower margins and accepting they have to sell off some of their stock at lower prices. Uh, if they don't do that quickly enough, then the Fed will make sure they have to by forcing an even deeper downturn. And we've seen in the reporting season that the consumer goods companies, they've actually been raising prices successfully throughout this year. They've not had an issue with that. They've got a little problem with volumes, but um, they've managed to put the price rises through quite easily. Well, indeed. And so that's why we still have a lot of inflation going on um, and why to break the inflationary cycle. Um, There has to be weaker demand uh, for discretionary items. Uh, And governments are going to have to help consumers at the lower end of the income scale so they can afford the rent and the food and the energy because these are the basics of life and they are all getting an awful lot dearer. And so we we have these twin policy approaches at central banks trying to kill the inflation uh, by cutting demand and making things a lot tougher. But governments are going to have to provide offsetting benefit increases or other payments to, to the public. Uh, so that the bottom half in the income scale can afford the food and energy, which is so much dearer. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, the, the Fed seems to be a little bit ahead of other central banks all around the world, um, because that's their inflation appears to have peaked now, but we've got, still got, especially in Europe, inflation problem going ahead. Yes, and the, the EU inflation is well embedded and much higher than it should be, um, approaching five times the target. Uh, But the European Central Bank, I think, will stay way behind the Fed because it has its own internal tensions and problems uh, trying to 
organize a currency for a whole range of different central banks and, and member states. Um, basically, the, the problem they've got is that if they raise the rates too much, then the southern countries, which have been in deficit and borrowed huge sums of money, get into financial trouble all too quickly. Uh, so you're going to see rather more backpedaling at the European Central Bank than you see at the Fed, uh, because they have to balance the, those different issues. They don't want too much instability. And they've already said that they will intervene to help countries like Italy uh, with huge debts and um, with higher long-term borrowing rates already within the European system uh, because they don't want their borrowing rates spiraling out of control and, and a major country like Italy encountering difficulties in financing its government. And um, <clears throat> we sort of then move on to the next big political event, which is COP27, uh, which meets at a different, a completely different world than COP26, when everyone agreed to all these ambitious target cuts um, in order to um, prevent, um, you know, to bring that to net zero. Um, things have changed so much that it's going to be a difficult, a difficult talking point there, really, isn't it? Well, indeed. I mean, I think they meet against a very bad world news background because they will have to accept the reality that it was a priority to get Russian gas out of the system for Western countries and economies, and that this has created uh, a rush to find alternatives to, to Russian gas, and you can't immediately create an awful lot of wind farms and, and solar farms uh, that deliver reliable power to, to keep the lights on. Uh, so we are going to have to accept this decade that it still remains a decade where fossil fuels will deliver the bulk of the world's energy by far. Uh, and that on the latest forecast from the uh, International Energy Agency, uh, they're talking about the decade ending with the world burning a little bit more oil and a little bit more gas mm. than we are currently burning. And with coal um, going up for the next couple of years before it starts to come down again, because you may remember the COP26, the really big breakthrough, uh, was everybody agreed to get coal out of their systems as quickly as possible, because it's by far and away the worst of the fossil fuels yeah. from the point of view of bad emissions and CO2, uh, and that looked possible. But now Germany and uh, China are having to um, open or reopen more coal power stations and mine more coal to keep the lights on uh, because there is no other easy alternative given what's happened to uh, gas and, and given the intermittency of wind and solar, which can disrupt systems. Yeah, so it's Basically, their ambitions have come up against reality and things are tough and it's going to be a lot longer process than in initially envisioned at least 12 months ago. Yes, indeed. I mean, I think the answer is that they'll still reaffirm very tough positive targets for 2050, by which time the, the big investments can have been put in and the technologies will have developed. But the reality up to 2030 uh, is that the world is still fighting to contain the growth uh, of oil and gas. Uh, and that it's had a setback on coal uh, because of the immediate pressures created by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Well, thank you very much, John. That's always interesting as ever. Thanks for joining us on this podcast, and I hope you join us to listen to more. Thank you very much. Charles Stanley Radio. Subscribe today to be kept up to date with our latest releases. To find out more, visit charles-stanley.co.uk forward slash charles-stanley-radio. The value of investments can fall as well as rise. Investors may get less back than invested. Past performance is not a reliable guide to the future.